0: Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back. We got another fun podcast episode for you today. We got both a longtime friend of the UXRconf and the learners and all that good stuff, who I'm sure you've heard of before, and a new, a new friend that we're excited to introduce today. First, welcome Viviane and Nate. So, Viviane, you guys probably have listened to some of her talks before and had your mind blown. And this year, she's actually going to be collaborating with her good friend Nate Wilson, who's going to come in, and they're going to got a really important thing they're going to talk about. So, first, Vivian, how are you doing this morning?
1: I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Amazing. Super quick. When someone asks you a bit about your background, what do you what do you say these days? Because you've been doing a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. What do I say? Um, lately, these days, I've been talking about how I'm about. 13 months sober of working in corporate America, <laughs> but, uh, you know, my background's in counseling and human services, uh, specifically trauma and addiction counseling. And then I made a career switch into big tech, UX, um, maybe about six or seven years ago. And really, since I've been in this industry, I'm really interested in the, the more deeper human undercurrent to our work. So I'm interested in the things, again, the way of us being able to be more holistically human-centered. So I support professionals in how to be more trauma-informed in their approach to their craft. What does it mean to understand and unpack the role of grief within leadership? What does it mean to actually have a more healthy and collaborative and inclusive and equitable, not only approach to design in the workplace, but to ourselves? So I do a lot of that work within the realm of counseling or in, in the realm of coaching, consulting, and community. And that's what we mainly do at Humanity Centered.
0: That's beautiful, which you which you started uh, almost two years ago, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're, yeah, we started in the summer of 2020. And, you know, since then, the community is, you know, a little bit over 475 people. A fast company named us one of their most innovative design companies in 2021. We have about 24 countries represented within the Humanity Centered community. We're doing half-day events now. We're diving deeper into just some dope topics like what we're talking about today. And it's been such a treat to work with an amazing team like Alba BML and the rest of the crew.
0: Amazing! Well, that's the perfect segue uh, to introduce Our other guests, Nate Wilson, who I had the pleasure to meet in
2: person not too long ago. Nate, great to see you. Thank you. (laughs) As well as well, I don't know if that's a perfect segue. That's kind of hard to follow. (laughs) Uh, My story isn't as impressive, but no, stop it. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) And um, a little bit of background on me: I have always been in sales. I was in dental industry um, selling for quite some time, but I've always had a passion for personal finance, and I think that that can Staying true for a lot of people where it doesn't really matter what your J-O-B is. You got to make sure that you're taking care of yourself outside of that and, and, you know, investing in your in your financial health and wellness. uh, So you have more options when it comes to your J-O-B. And um, about four and a half years ago, I was at this conference. And it was a financial conference. So if that tells you anything, like still in dental, but going to financial conferences. (laughs) And that's where I met my now CEO. So I've made quite the pivot. And I work for a company called New Retirement. And uh, New Retirement is a a financial planning platform. And it helps people come up with a plan and, and be able to Figure out their road to financial independence. So it's kind of right up my alley. It feels good to have made this pivot into an industry that um, kind of aligns with my North Star and wanting to help people and uh, impact the way I want to, you know, impact. So that's me. That's awesome.
0: Well said. Um, before we kind of jump into why this is such a, an important conversation for this particular community, I'd love to hear a bit about like, what is your passion for like, understanding money and finance kind of come from you know for me one of my passions is basketball and you know like followed the raptors had big hoop dreams kind of thing like that and and you know pretty pretty well connected to to like what i did kind of growing up but on the finance side on the money side where do you think that comes from for you and and why you so why you're so
2: kind of connected to it and into it uh yeah i guess for me it it did start at a young age i remember reading some books even in my teens i've always saw myself as Being an entrepreneur and, you know, the whole rich dad, poor dad, anybody who hasn't read that, I suggest you read it. It just, it talks about the difference between assets and liabilities. And um, there's just been a lot of seeds from then. As far as my background, I'm fortunate to not have had like a a very traumatic past, right? I've always had exactly what I've needed. I'm I'm thankful in that regard because I... I do know that there's a lot of different people on, uh, that have different backgrounds when it comes to that. But I did grow up seeing some struggle with family and friends and, and when it comes to money. And it's just, I, I always was like, man, like there has to be a better way and <laughs> there has to be more. And the thing that upset me enough to really get into it is here, elementary, high school through college no financial literacy classes, right? Mm-hmm. Like I remember being in college and taking the finance classes and taking out my little fancy TI-83 calculator. <laughs> <and> <laughs> that's, that's a way back, playback right there, holy yeah.
1: shit. <laughs> <just data> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know,
2: I'm, I'm showing my age. sorry. But, uh, <laughs> but they would tell us how to calculate compound interest and all these things, but they would never tell us why. Like what that actually could mean in our lives, and and retirement, and dignity, and future freedom, right? Mm-hmm. So it always upset me, and uh, and I and I knew eventually I didn't know what it would look like when, um, but I just knew that my end all be all had to be helping other people with uh, what I learned because I had to do everything self taught, and you know, there's only so much that I learned from my parents, because again, they went through the same educational system, right? (laughs) And fortunately, that kind of goes down and uh, just trying to break some of that so we can look in the future and generational wealth. And uh, yeah. I love that. It's integral with, with everything. Like you get your finances in straight, then you could just be happier step into you, better relationships with yourself and others.
0: That's that's awesome. I think, um, you know, Vivian, we've been talking about this kind of like off and on probably for a few years now to some extent, but I'd love if you could articulate for a second why you think, especially for this community, we got to start talking about this. We got to start talking about it now.
1: <laughs> like yesterday. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I don't mean you have these talks a lot on and offline. You know, I think for me, and especially when we work with folks within Humanity Centered, one of the main things that we get and notice is that people are afraid. You know, we notice that people want to advocate for more human centricity in their approach to work and their approach to product and design. A lot of people are afraid.
0: Why, why are they afraid?
1: A lot of that fear comes from recognizing the potential negative impact it can have on their career progression and their job security which ultimately brings about this bigger conversation around money. You know, a lot of UX and design professionals get into this industry because they're attracted to it around the ideals of empathy and inclusion and being human-centered, but they're not prepared to advocate for those things in systems that are inherently hostile towards it. And so now they're trying to be more human-centered towards themselves, towards other people, and they're within these deeply capitalistic systems, and there's a lot of fear that's stirred up around that. So... Something that I know Nate and I talk a lot about is how can we get people to be and feel less afraid? How can we help people operate more from a place of freedom instead of fear? And so, if we could start to have this conversation where we can help people feel more in control, feel more confident, and feel more hopeful around their financial health and well being, then people will be able to, in their workplaces, be able to advocate more clearly, not only for themselves and for other people but for also the decisions in their workplace without feeling so afraid about the consequences of that.
0: That's well said. It's one of those things where, you know, when we think about the programs that we kind of put on, it's not always content about research or about design, but it's rather, you know, ideas and things to be talked about for research, for design, right? And that doesn't always mean just talking about the craft. Do you have an idea of like what that even looks like? Like when you think about what it means to be less afraid in the choices that we make it work, right? Because, you know, we have this financial security and we understand like what we can do and we have like a little bit more control. Like what does that look like in practice? You know, if if we want people who are listening in to kind of picture this moment where they do this thing differently, like what do you think about?
1: Well, my mind goes to these two stories that a friend recently told me. So a friend told me... Um, about a friend that he has where whenever he starts a job on the first day of that job, he writes his resignation letter, prints it and puts it in his desk. And he does that as a way to remind himself that I don't have to stay here and compromise on my values. If I don't want to, I can leave anytime I want. And that I think also comes from a place of just financial health and security. And the second story that he told me is he had this colleague who him and his colleague are chatting one day and the colleague's like, some, 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 yeah, this isn't even my primary source of income, some, some, some. And so the friend was like, (laughs) like, run that back. (laughs) And so his friend has other means of income, whether that's the real estate, investments, whatever that may be. So he's actually choosing to work in corporate America because he's curious and wants to learn more and just engage in the craft of design. Like, I I love those two stories because for me, I'm always thinking about, man, what are the conversations I would have had if I wasn't so afraid to potentially negatively impact my career progression or promotion? What are the ways that I would have been more brave, more courageous, pushing back on certain product decisions and making cases and helping certain stakeholders and decision makers understand the implications of some of the negative things that they're proposing for us to do and to prioritize. So yeah, that's kind of where my mind goes. And I think something that we hear a lot within the humanity center community is, you know, how can I be more confident? How can I be more brave? How can I have more space to think and be strategic and creative and how to push back within these capitalistic systems? And so if we can help lessen people's fear within these environments, then i think that we can have a greater chance of advocating for and advancing more human centered solutions products and experiences
0: that's very well said nate what do you think it takes like you know there's there's all these things that you probably have to do to put yourself in that position um but like conceptually what do you think it takes to actually go through that shift of like hey i need this job right to you know what actually maybe i don't like what goes on in people's minds do you think as once they've started to put some of these practices in place that we're going to talk about in a couple
2: of months into action. Right. Well, I would say, you know, there's a couple different aspects of financial health. There's, there's behavioral and there's also more of the strategic and tactical side. But a lot of that strategic strategy and tactical is out there when they tell you to save this, put X percent in this, da, 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 da. But we're humans. And we don't always just do that. So we really want to focus on the behavioral <laughs> side because you have to ask yourself the hard questions like, what is your relationship with money? What is, how much do you actually need? What do you really value? And how much are, are you spending to just keep the lifestyle that you want to keep? And, and are you working more for, for what reason? Because if you can pull back the layers and say, oh, like I have what I need, right? And, and get more comfortable with that and have a little bit better understanding of where, where that number is, you might realize you don't need as much as you thought. So you don't operate out of that fear because I need more, need more, need more.
1: I think Nate's also getting at the different influences, right, on people's financial health. So especially within tech and design, there's lifestyle creep which causes us to maybe be less aware or disciplined with budget and being more uh, empathetic for our future selves. You know, I think there's culture. I think if you're American, you know, capitalism is incredibly extreme in America. And so, and it's embedded in everything that we do. I think what Nate was also getting at was lack of clarity on what do you value? What do you prioritize? What is meaningful to you? And so there's a lot of those things. And, and, and even earlier, talking a little bit about financial trauma, I mean, I didn't grow up with a lot. Like I remember moments of like feast and famine. Like I remember moments where, you know, my dad had a contract and was doing really well. You know, we're eating well. And then my dad's contract suddenly ends. And now we're eating rice and dumplings for like months. Uh, my mom's half Korean. So that's the, the dumpling reference. <laughs> People are like, wait, what? You're part Korean? Um, But we all have those like financial, I mean, I think there's a lot of us within tech who have like financial trauma, whether it's like your experience of the recession in 2008, whether it was hardships, like uh, growing up with money, whether it's, you know, even if you have auto pay right now, anytime auto pay happens, you're still like, who's taking my money? So like, there's (laughs) there's a lot of that. And I think it's important for UX professionals where we value being human centered to look at this aspect of being more human-centered to ourselves. Humanity-centered, we talk a lot about well-being and self-care, and financial health and well-being is a huge part of that. And a lot of us have felt that, especially since the pandemic. So why not? Why not make this more of a priority within the UX and design community who values and advocates for human centricity? And, you know, I think this is a huge overlooked conversation within that.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I that's well said. Before we go, I, I just, I really am curious about this from both of your point of view. What do you hope when people come and they, they participate in this conversation, they listen to what you have to say, right? And they go home, right? Because at some point we all got to go home, even though we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, and they go home, what's the one thing that you hope that they do? They start doing or that like th- that first step that you're hoping they're going to be able to take, whether it's like a literal thing they have to do or a thing they have to think or a change they have to make. What comes to mind for that?
2: I would say self-reflection because the thing is personal finance is personal, right? And I can't tell you what you should and shouldn't do and what's important to you and what's not. And you just really have to look at your life as a whole and and start asking yourself why and, and what is truly important. And I think it if just doing that alone and will be a good start into anything that would follow.
1: Yeah. No, I like how, you know, we're not going to command you to do things. We will strongly suggest, strongly (laughs) encourage you to think about some things. But, you know, for me, I go back to in the beginning of 2020, I I remember having this moment where I was like, I am in this toxic, codependent, unhealthy relationship with corporate America. And I need to figure out how to create more space between myself and my dependence on them. So even you know, if you are working at a large organization, start looking into how can you get the most dollars? So if your company does a 401k match, what percentage of it is that? And how can I start to do that? I think getting really clear on what is enough from a numbers perspective is really helpful. Not a lot of people know this, but when I was debating about, Leaving corporate and doing community center full time, it was actually Nate who challenged me on okay, well, what's your number? Like, how much do you actually need to make in order to feel safe and good enough to step away from a corporate job? And so I had to crunch my numbers and get really clear on like, what is my enough? What is that for me? And that has brought so much clarity to how I operate. It's given me a lot more freedom in terms of saying no to working with certain clients that don't resonate with our values. So I would encourage people to, you know, start actually, and it's going to be scary and overwhelming. Like, I want to acknowledge that too, but you have to sit with yourself and you have to sit with some numbers. Um, You have to try and figure out what would it look like for you? What would it feel like to be more free? And what are some of the small things that you can commit to to start creating more of that gap of dependence between you and your corporations?
0: You know, I think this is, this is a beautiful note to, to leave off on. And I think this is the, what I hope will be the beginning of a very important conversation that many, many people are going to have this summer. And hey, if the last time Nate had a sit down with somebody, we got humanity centered out of it, you know, that's a pretty, <laughs> pretty good track record to start things off. So, you know, maybe we'll get some more beautiful new initiatives and companies coming out of these types of conversations that, that prioritize you and your freedom and your happiness over whatever else you might need, but maybe don't. So thank you so much, both of you for joining us. I can't wait to see you in June. It's gonna be fun. And uh, I'm gonna come with my own questions. I hope you don't mind if I kind of like take over a little bit cause I need this, I need this from me. <laughs> I need this from me. So this is gonna be fun. Thank you so much, both of you for joining.
2: Of course, right, thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it.
0: All right, that was Nate and Vivian joining us for this wonderful chat. They're gonna be at UXR Conf at the beginning of June, and you should be there too. You can grab a ticket if you want to come in person. We have a limited number available. Uh, You can go to uxrconference.com and grab one. Or, hey, I don't know if you know this, but it's free to join remotely. That's right, the content is not paywalled. You can participate. You don't even need any money. You don't need a wallet, don't need a credit card. Same place, uxrconference.com, to grab your ticket and register, and we can't wait to learn with you. See you next
2: time.